0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: It's my music. Break it down. Oh, you didn't know. Stand back. Do you smell what the rock is cooking?
2: You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast
3: Network.
0: Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I am your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 122, and it's a look at some Survivor Series themes. And today I am joined by a returning guest here on the show. He's a contributor at Voices of Wrestling. It's Jeremy Sexton. Hello again, Jeremy. Hello, hello. Great to be here. I'm glad you're back. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's uh, It's been a while since your first appearance here on the show, uh, pre-pandemic actually. Um, though we did meet a few months ago in person at the All Out Barbecue, which was just a lot of fun, and uh, I met your wife there as well, of course, and um, we ate a lot of food there, I, I think, uh, just, a, just a bunch of various meats all cooked up by uh, Chris Samsa and his wife, and uh, it, it was damn good, but it, it was a lot of food, Jeremy.
4: <laughs> it was, it was, and I made the, the mistake of uh, hitting brunch before we went to the barbecue, but uh, we still did some damage, so it was all good.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, eating all of that meat before going to a four-hour wrestling show—that's a—that's a risk right there. That's a, that's a pretty big risk, <laughs> but uh, you know, luckily everything was okay. Uh, God was on my side that night, I think, thankfully. But yes. um, but anyway, how are you doing, One Jeremy? Eight. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: Well, I was going to say, you know, eating a bunch of food and then going to a wrestling show is what people did for the first few Survivor Series, you know, given that they were on Thanksgiving. Uh, So, you know, there you go. Just tying it all in. But uh, but I'm good. Yeah, I'm uh, gearing up for match of the year season already. And so been working on some behind the scenes things to make voting and most importantly, you know, for myself and Rich, counting the voting a little easier this year. Um, and so yeah, I've been working hard at that. And uh, yeah, you know, things are going good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always fun uh, when match of the year comes around to be in the Slack chat. And, you know, Rich will be like, oh, these morons, they didn't spell the name right. And there's there's no date on this one. There's no company on this one. All oh, these dumb bastards. So hopefully this year goes smoother than uh, previous years.
4: Yes, it's been a lot of work up front. But hopefully, you know, for everyone who's a voter, when, uh, when you see the form this year, hopefully you will rejoice for how easy and simple it is for you and for us and just for everybody. And That'll make everybody happy, hopefully.
0: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's still the internet, so there's always going to be a couple of morons just right. screwing things up royally no matter what. But uh, <laughs> hopefully it's not too bad uh, this year again. So, Well, today, Jeremy, uh, we are here to discuss some themes used throughout the history of Survivor Series, one of the big four WWE pay-per-views. Uh, every November it comes around, next one's coming up real soon here, and uh, it started all the way back in 1987 and uh, has been going, eh, you know, somewhat strong ever since, I guess. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, best known for the uh, Survivor Series Elimination Tag Matches, which Rich Crates just loves oh so much, <laughs> but uh, it's known for many other things, of course, uh, The Undertaker's debut, The Gobbledygooker, uh, The Montreal Screwjob. The first Elimination Chamber match was there, the S.H.I.E.L.D. debut, so just a whole bunch of fun stuff over the years. Um, Jeremy, let me ask you this. Where does Survivor Series rank for you amongst the pay-per-views, would you say? Are, are you a fan of the show historically? Uh, what's your take on
1: it?
4: Yeah, it's interesting because I, I feel like historically I'm a fan of the show, um, and but when I go back through the different Survivor Series cards, and I was doing that sort of in prep for the show today. Like, there's not a lot there that I specifically have fond memories of. It's just sort of the idea of Survivor Series is, uh, like, it's a neat idea that it's like, oh, you know, we've got all of these different things, like we've got these elimination tag matches of eight men or six men or whatever. And, you know, as a kid, I remember uh, Jerry Lawler and his crew against Doink and the clowns and whatnot. And (laughs) so it's like all of these things that at the time, like I have fond memories of, but going back with my eyes now, we're, we're probably not very good at the time, or especially
0: looking back on them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a lot of people, it's probably the least important to me. Um, of the big four, anyway. Like, it, it just doesn't really feel like a big deal show. Like, Mania, obviously, is the biggest deal show, of course. The Rumble feels like a big deal. SummerSlam feels like a big deal. Survivor Series just doesn't really reach that level. At least not anymore. I mean, you know, back in the day when it first started, it was this cool concept to people. You know, Like you like said, all these first time ever, you know, super teams teaming up, they're all elimination matches, it's it's Hogan's team versus Andre's team, oh my god, this is so cool, and you know, as a kid, I did think it was cool seeing it for the first time as a fan, you know, uh, Team Austin versus Team Bischoff, Team Angle versus Team Lesnar, this is awesome, and nowadays it just, it feels like, well, it's November, it's Survivor Series, here's a bunch of Raw versus SmackDown matches that are just really meaningless, That's that's kind of what it is nowadays, Jeremy.
4: Yeah, now it's really sort of taken a backseat, and I think you're seeing it this year especially, where everything has taken a backseat to just the build for mania is happening now, so it's kind of an afterthought um whereas I I think especially as a kid like SummerSlam wasn't the big deal that it used to be whereas now they're trying to make SummerSlam the number two of those shows that you know Royal Rumble even is well it's a stop on the road to Wrestlemania and it's a big kickoff event but you know you see them running the like this year uh running that new football stadium in las vegas for SummerSlam and trying to build it as sort of a second wrestlemania weekend and whatnot um and so it's been interesting over time to see how that's kind of switched because yeah now like you said it's just sort of an afterthought and it's definitely the weakest of the big four and honestly i don't know if you'd even if you're making a new big four i don't know if you include it like do you drop it in favor of say money in the bank now at this point that's what like, i was thinking yeah that's kind of taken the spot um, as the fourth biggest show that they have. But there's still some of that prestige to the,
0: the Survivor Series name. I mean, name-wise, there's still nostalgia and history, I guess. But, like, the actual shows themselves, I mean, there's not much on the bone here. I mean, they've been doing this brand warfare for, like, five years now. And it's so stupid because the whole thing is like, ah, it's brand warfare, Raw versus SmackDown, yeah, but... There are no real stakes to these matches. Nobody wins anything beyond, like, bragging rights, which, okay, fine, whatever. A- and here's the kicker. It's post-draft. So, right. like, all the guys on Team Raw this year were literally on SmackDown, like, <laughs> a month ago. <laughs> but now they're on Raw. So they bleed raw red, baby. Here's here's my red T-shirt. Let's go get them, boys. It's it's T-shirt worst, Jeremy. That's, that's what it is nowadays. And, you know, again, compared to, like, the Rumble mania SummerSlam. it just it doesn't feel nowhere near as important as those shows
4: yeah they kind of hemmed themselves in when they decided that okay sweeps week we have to do the draft to attract people uh and then now that kind of leaves them at survivor series where you're like oh well now survivor series doesn't mean anything where if you were if you were trying to schedule it out for say like maximum show impact you know, to have the, to put on the best wrestling show, you would have Survivor Series and then the draft immediately after that, because then you could tell all sorts of interesting stories between those two things of like, oh, well, these guys were on the same team at Survivor Series, and now they're split up, or these guys were on opposite teams at Survivor Series, and now they're on the same brand, and something happened in the match and caused some heat, and so now that's a feud that you can run with for a few months. Um, but instead of doing that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like the, the actual shows don't have to be good, either the TV or the pay-per-views, because everything is already paid for. So nothing really matters. Uh, everything is meaningless. Eat at Arby's. <laughs> like it, it just doesn't No one. <laughs> there's no reason to make it good. And so they're just like, yeah, it is what it is. And the piggies will come for the slop. And, and so we do.
0: Remember a few years ago when uh, NXT was part of the brand warfare and you had like Triple H and Shawn Michaels leading the invasion to SmackDown and oh look there's Adam Cole and there's Keith Lee and NXT won a bunch of matches that year and um, boy oh boy does that seem like a million years ago at this point that that is not happening again anytime soon I don't think they're Jeremy <laughs> oh no
4: well I mean you know who knows depending on how fast they're trying to hot shot him, maybe they bring in Brown Breaker next year or something like that but uh yeah no we're a long long way from NXT mattering at all in that regard which is kind of sad because it that was like one of the most exciting things was that I you know I remember that uh survivor series match the big like tag match with everybody where you have like Walter gets this incredible reaction and keith lee gets this incredible reaction and ultimately it, it was totally
1: meaningless
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we uh we missed out on a uh, Braun breaker woke joe gacy tony d'angelo and the creed brothers all wearing paint splatter t-shirts <laughs> that that would have been something there i think there jeremy but uh <laughs> We missed out on it, I guess, there, but, um, yeah, so uh, let's get to these themes here. We have eight to talk about, and we'll start not at the first show in 87, but on the third show in 89. Uh, This is, of course, by Jim Johnston. Uh, There's no official title, I don't think, so we'll just call it the Survivor Series 1989 theme. WWF Survivor Series, The Thanksgiving Day Tradition, The Ultimate and Team Competition, Tonight it's the Hulkamaniacs versus the Million Dollar Team, The Ultimate Warriors versus the Heenan Family, and so on and so forth. So you know, it's, it's hard not to hear Vince's voice with the intro there. It's uh, one of the more straightforward songs on the list here. Um, no vocals, just a nice little 80s synth rock kind of thing. Sounds kind of like the bumper music. That you would hear in like a sports game on TV back in those days, like the NBA or whatever. But I do appreciate that because it sets the tone of sports and competition and all that stuff. It's, it's a welcome throwback. I think here, Jeremy.
4: Yeah, I think so. And it like, this is, it's just so Jim Johnston. Like, I feel like Jim Johnston's like headstone should have a QR code that plays the song when you scan it. Cause it's just like all of his like signature things, like you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, that's a Jim Johnston song. Like it's just unmistakable. Uh, you can pick it out and it, you're right. It's just that generic like eighties sports. It could be the bed underneath pretty much anything.
0: And uh, and it, it works. It's, it's just, it, yeah. Yeah, and as Vince said, it's the ultimate in team competition. And, you know, on those first four shows, I think they didn't have singles matches or other tag matches. It was just about these elimination tags, these teams. And, you know, they had feuds within the teams, of course, but the team element was always the focus, Uh, much like in sports, you know, basketball, football again. So leaning into that with this rather kind of nondescript sports music, it may not be intentional on their part. It may have just been the sound of the time, but. It does work well in that context, Jeremy.
4: Oh yeah, definitely. It uh yeah, this is, you know, as as sports, well, this won't be the most sports uh like survivor series that we'll talk about, but uh, you know, this is uh, a very, you know, going for that more sports presentation feel uh even as, you know, you have some of the fun wWF uh, you know early 90s late 80s sorts of gimmicks and things like that um, it uh, it it's got that
0: that grandiosity that you sort of expect from that mm-hmm. and this was also the theme for the survivor series reports going into the 90s uh, which had of course mean gene running down the cards so this got a good bit of use after 89 um, and then I think in 90. The show itself got a new theme that sounded close to this one, but uh, that had a saxophone in it. So, you know, we're a long ways away from Deadly Game and Limp Biscuit and all that other fun stuff we'll get to later on there, Jeremy, that's for sure.
4: (laughs) Hey, if only Limp Biscuit added a little saxophone, then just
0: think how much greater the world would be. (laughs) Going to go now to Survivor Series 1991. Uh, This is the show with Hulk Hogan versus The Undertaker for the world title, which had the tagline... The Gravest Challenge. Uh, This is not the official theme of the show. It's more of the secondary theme, which was used for the match and the promos and the report and all that stuff. It's by Jim Johnston off of WWE Uncaged 14. This is Gravest Challenge. So it's pretty similar to the first one here, uh, that classic early '90s WWF sound. And uh, it's funny—you look at the name "Gravest Challenge." Ooh, it's so ominous and scary. And then you hear the song, and it's da 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 da. da. It's so light and zippy there. Uh, but there is one part where the tempo slows down, and Jim Johnston does those sustained guitar notes. Da da da. da and, The keyboard sounds like the organ in Taker's theme. That's a nice little touch there that does give it more of a serious tone. But then it's right back to the... So it's... For a song called Gravest Challenge, it's not the most uh, grave-sounding song of all time there, Jeremy, for the most part.
4: Yeah, no, it doesn't really say Gravest Challenge to me at all. It was funny because, you know, I put... All of the songs for this episode in a playlist that I was just listening to on repeat, and this one and the previous one just really blended together for me, where it was kind of hard to tell where one started and the other one stopped, and um, yeah, like there's that Rhodes, uh, you know, synth that sits behind everything that kind of, you know, like you mentioned, gets brought to the forefront a little bit in the down tempo section, but it's still not nothing about this as gravest challenge to me cuz it's not even like if it was you know survivor series 91 like something you know spooky in the title or whatever then okay but gravest challenge to me it it makes it sound like well that's something dire that's something uh you know a grave challenge and this is <laughs> not not really not, I'm not feeling grave. I'm not really feeling challenged from this one either.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but again, this wasn't the official show theme. This was used for like the reports and the promos and stuff like that. So, um, And in that case, you're not just focusing on Hogan versus Taker. You're focusing on the entire show and the other matches on the cards. So I guess it does make sense then to put a little nod to Taker in there but have the song itself just be in line with other generic show themes of the time period, Jeremy. That's that's my thinking, at least.
4: Yeah, well, and it's interesting, too, that, like, looking at the card for the show, that match just sits in the middle of the show. So I don't know if this was—they were still sort of in the mindset that this pay-per-view wasn't, like, a really big deal or whatnot. Um, because it's not even the main event, technically, uh so yeah i mean maybe it was just a way to musically introduce a little something in there but not necessarily uh bring it to the forefront maybe you know it's just jim johnston going rogue and i mean honestly you gotta think he had very little oversight anyway (laughs) when he was doing like his whole tenure there and so you know it was probably just i'll mix in a little roads and make it you know, give it a little vibe, and then back out. To, uh, Vince wants it to be, you know, more of a bop, and so I'll wow, screw it. That's what I'll give him. And I, I've been doing creative work long enough to know that sometimes you just like ah, whatever, who cares? Maybe that's <laughs> the that. maybe that's what's happening here.
0: <laughs> that's a good attitude to have, I think. There, yeah, but um, <laughs> but I think the fact that there is that not to take her in there at all is somewhat significant, especially since Survivor Series is the show where he debuted the year before and now it's a year later and he's beating Hogan for the belt. So there's at least a little sign there that this Undertaker guy is going to be a big deal in the company for many more years to come, which obviously he was.
4: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, they cut his legs out like a week later, but at uh, Tuesday in Texas. Well, that's true, uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of a bummer. But as, you know, this happened, when was this show? This show was 91, so I was six years old at the time. So I was pretty devastated that Hulk Hogan lost and was pretty excited about him winning the title back. Uh, You know, but looking back on it, it's like, wow, man, you just why did you even do that title change? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But that's Welcome what the they WWF. did. It was Hulk. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Moving on now to theme number three, and uh, this is one of the themes for Survivor Series 1994, which was the last time the show was held on Thanksgiving Eve. This is by Chuck Wilde and Rick Rhodes. Great names, by the way. From the First Com Music Library, this is called... Lawman. You're watching Gunsmoke, sponsored by American Tobacco. <laughs> so we got the Western music here, baby. Got the harmonica, the strings, it's all very heroic and stirring the whole nine yards, and it's a real left turn from what we've had before with the sports field, those earlier themes, and it doesn't really have that big, exciting, energetic pay-per-view field theme to it, Jeremy. It's it's quite different in that respect.
4: Yeah, they well and they really went all in with the Texas vibe. Like Mm -hmm. to open the show you've got Vince and Gorilla Monsoon out there in cowboy hats and you know, in their cowboy shirts and (laughs) they just for whatever reason this year they decided let's we got Chuck Norris, we gotta we gotta western this thing up. And so that's what they did. They went to first com, which I used to use First Comm when uh, I was doing video work at a church in D.C. That was my music library of choice. And so familiar with their work. They do great stuff. And, uh, you know, you go in, you plug in to the system. Hey, I need some Western music. And they got Western Track 1A. (laughs) It slotted it in, and there you go. It's perfect.
0: Yeah, I mean, the show is in Texas. Uh, The poster had undertaker in the foreground and these four cowboys in the background and and takers whole look and gimmick the first few years was as an old west undertaker that was the thing and um there's a bull skull and the logo as well that year i mean they're really playing up the whole texas western cowboy whole motif there so yeah obviously you're gonna get an old west song it just makes too much sense there jeremy Yep,
4: I was all, I was kind of surprised. I would have thought they would have also used this as like Chuck Norris's walkout music, but they found another track that I'm sure was probably from the same library to use for that as well. That was another like, hey, it's a western song, plug it in, <laughs> there you go. Um, and so yeah, I mean, they just really they went to San Antonio and were like, what do these people love? They love themselves some westerns, and so um, you know that. They, they themed it out strongly, which hey, yeah, you know, I can appreciate that.
0: I just did some quick research, and uh, wouldn't you know it? The song that Chuck Norris used as an entrance theme, it's called "To the Rescue," and it's by Chuck Wild and Rick Rhodes. These two guys from the First Com Music Library. There you so go. just banging the money there, Jeremy. Good for you, man. Good for <laughs> you.
4: <laughs> I know my stock music, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, Chuck Norris, of course, he played a lawman on Walker, Texas Ranger, so that ties into the song there, and um, there was that famous moment of him kicking Jeff Jarrett, which <laughs> Jarrett does just the most comical bump of all time in a headstand, it's, it's so, so funny, but but yeah, they went with a different song uh, as his theme there for the show, which, um, you know, is what it is, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, Chuck
4: Norris was a big deal at this time, too, because, oh, yeah. you know, you're on broadcast tv when broadcast tv was even bigger than it is now and you're on one of the most popular shows going that ran for a very long time and so man this was like peak chuck norris and they got him to come in and kick jeff jarrett and uh it's uh yeah
0: if you're gonna get chuck you gotta go all out Jumping ahead now to Survivor Series 1998, which had the infamous Deadly Game Tournament for the vacant world title. The show where the rock turned heel and joined forces with the corporation, which means we're talking about a very famous theme here. This is by Jim Johnston, featuring Kyle Gordon and AZ from the hip-hop group The Firm. Off of WWE Anthology, this is, of course, Deadly Game. Uh-huh.
1: Play your cards Break the rules That's that's who you are Whoever said play it safe Never played the game. game So many players But too many pawns Too many judges say it's right or wrong Let them jump into the fire they want to. Play.
0: so I could talk about this song all day I mean this is a proper <laughs> jam I love this one it's it has so much great stuff in it that slow moody intro at the start that just builds up the smoky vocals the background singers of course cause it's a deadly game that we play as we live our lives deadly game it's it's so great Jeremy it's just it's pure cheesy wrestling goodness I love it
4: Oh yeah, I mean this song is so catchy. It uh you it's a total earworm. Like
0: you hear this and you're
4: not going to stop singing it for a good week or so.
0: The vibe I get with a lot of this is I don't know about you, but it kinda reminds me of like a really dark James Bond theme. Roll the dice, play your cards, break the rules, that's who you are. Whoever said played safe never played the game. Two simple rules the devil hands us. Make your mistakes, but no second chances. Judgment Day calls in on markers. Haunted hell, it's getting darker. As they carry you away, you wonder what went wrong. Like, it's all so very serious, and taking the theme of survival and making it about people trying to survive the deadly game of life, and often failing. Like, and remember, this is for a tournament... With Al Snow and Dwayne Gill in it. Like, this is some, like, heavy-duty, doom-and-gloom stuff here, Jeremy. What's what's going on here? Oh, yeah.
4: I mean, this song is bleak. Uh, the, it's like, you know, right away, you know, the chorus. Because it's a deadly game that we play as we live our lives. Like, I look i've definitely gone some gone through some struggles but i would never categorize my daily life as a deadly game <laughs> and, you know i i don't know what kyle gordon's been going through but hopefully since then he's gotten some help and he's worked some things out uh, or you know maybe he's gotten some backup and yeah has taken out whoever's after him but uh <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just this really sort of, like, dark, brooding sort of thing. But then what cracks me up is it has that late 90s, like, let's just wedge a rapper in here thing. Right, yeah. It made me think of uh, the scene at the end of Walk Hard, where they're, it's, like, this whole band of, like, Jewel and, like, all of these people, and they're covering uh, Walk Hard and then out of nowhere like one of the wu tang clan like comes on stage <laughs> and does this like little rap that like makes no sense and then they just transition back into the song and it like it really gives me that vibe that it was just jim justin and uh you know kyle gordon were they're they're doing their thing They're like all right now we got to bring in this rapper like all right it's the third or fourth most famous member of the firm let's bring az (laughs) and do a verse az does a verse it doesn't make any sense it doesn't relate to the rest of the song you're like all right anyway it's a
0: deadly game (laughs) just back into here's your check mr az thank you so much here's the door don't call us, we'll call you. Thank you, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, to me, the rap section is the one part I don't really care for. It's a bit weak to me. Um, I mean, it does touch on you know dark stuff like Eternal Sleep and Addicts and stuff like that. But in my opinion, I would have gone with a Jim Johnston guitar solo where he just wails for like 30 seconds and then that leads back into the chorus yeah. for the end there. I think that would have been a much more preferable element uh, to me, but... Look, it's the late '90s, so you know. Here's the rapper instead. <laughs> oh well.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, this guy's famous. You're like, well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, well, actually, this song was later remade uh, in like 2006, I believe, by Theory of a Dead Man, and they turned it into like a fast-paced rock song. just it's not the same as the original it does it loses its luster i think and i mean it's fine but it's just the original is just you can't top it jeremy i don't think
4: yeah that sounds like they were so concerned with whether or not they could that they never stopped to consider whether or not they should (laughs) (laughs) Um, because yeah there's nothing like it's it's good the way it is the only thing like you said it really needs is like a guitar solo like i could see if like some band wanted to do that or i mean i guess if you wanted to make it like a little bit harder but still it's gotta you gotta keep it melodic you don't want to speed it up that's for sure Um, but yeah making it sort of a fast-paced rock song from theory of a dead man doesn't sound like it it does justice to uh, this masterpiece that uh, they've got going on here
0: Mm-hmm. I looked it up, they did use it as a theme for No Way Out 2006, so the remake was used as a pay-per-view theme there, and um, I mean, I guess you're trying to recapture the magic for the the next generation, I guess, but again, it's just not the same as the original Jeremy, I don't think. I'm surprised this never got used for something like Triple H related. Oh, yeah, that's a good shout, yeah. Um. Well, actually, when the song was first written, um, he wasn't the game yet, I don't think, he was uh. still in DX and um also he was injured too he wasn't even on survivor series 98 so i think
4: um, like if you're going to reuse it and I, I don't know what that no way out card was but you know maybe you wait to reuse this for something with uh, with him in it
0: well that would have been a smackdown show and he was on raw so uh, yeah there, there you go wow well,
4: missed opportunities
0: up next we're going to survivor series 2001 which of course had the invasion angle reaching its thrilling conclusion there. Uh, Team WWF versus Team Alliance, winner takes all. Spoiler alert, WWF wins. (laughs) Uh, The theme for that show is by Puddle of Mud off of the album Come Clean. This is Control. Firmly in the licensing songs for pay per views era here. It's 01 as well, which means that we're also in the new metal, alt metal, golden age here, baby. Just Puddle of Mud, Drowning Pool, Saliva, POD, Creed, Marilyn Manson, the whole shebang a bang. It all starts here. And as for this song, I like it a lot. I really do enjoy it. I'm, I'm a sucker for songs that start on one track for the verses and then they have like this big yelling crescendo chorus and this definitely is one of those songs jeremy
4: i like the song yeah and the chorus is perfect like sound wise for the type of promo video that wwe has made basically dating back to the attitude era it's sort of that soaring guitar sort of sound that's like it's hard but you get that like that vibe where it's sort of picked up and there's that, you know that high heights, that soaring feeling. Um that makes a it, it just that I hear that sound and you're like, oh yeah, this would be a perfect WWE paper song pay per view song. That is, until you look at the lyrics of
0: this song <laughs> Yeah Yeah. I mean I I sorta of get it. They're trying to connect it to the whole thing of like control and fighting for control of the company, they're trying to connect it that way, but at the same time, the song is about like a tumultuous relationship between two people that's very passionate, but also very toxic. I love the way you look at me, I feel the pain you place inside, you lock me up inside your dirty cage, while I'm alone inside my mind, I love the way you rake my skin, I feel the hate you place inside, I need to get your voice out of my head, cause I'm that guy i will never find. I need to feel you, you need to feel me, I can't control you, you're not the one for me, no. So there's lots of love, lots of conflict, and you know, it's a good summation of the relationship between WWE and its fans in a lot of ways there, but (laughs) as far as like a a pay-per-view theme, you know, it's it's not really one-to-one there, Jeremy. (laughs) Well, I mean,
4: particularly once you get to the bridge, which is, I love the way you look at me, I love the way you smack my ass, I love the dirty (laughs) things you do, I have control (laughs) of you. It's like, um, (laughs) guys, (laughs) I don't think this has much to do with the invasion angle here. Uh, What's interesting, though, is I went to, I tried to go back on uh, Peacock and pull up, the pay-per-view and see how they used it because i was i'm like i have to know how they made this song work because lyrically it's just so insane for uh yeah a pay-per-view and they've replaced it completely on Peacock. Now, I don't know if that's a licensing thing or if that's, you know, them being like, oh, this is kind of strange. Uh, but you can go on YouTube or Daily Motion or something like that, and you can find the old promos. And it seems like what they did was they use verse two, they use the chorus, they use like a little instrumental section, and then they go back to the chorus. And so... They've kind of like skimped around anything that's too suggestive. Um, You know, I love the way you rake my skin. Like, maybe you could interpret that through some lens of like, you know guys like a new japan like let's chop each other as hard as we can kind of thing like yeah i like the pain bring it on man like that you can maybe see it that way or something like that um but yeah they kind of, they've they've sort of tucked away all of the other things like no no, no, no. don't look at the verse definitely don't look at the bridge <laughs> just this chorus in this verse and that's it like that's the that's what the song is
0: yeah, there, there's a bit of dissonance there. With you know, on the one hand, you've got like the, the the fate of this company hangs in the very balance, and Paul Heyman screaming, "Death to WWF! Death to sports entertainment!" And on the other hand, you have, "I love the way you smack my ass." Like there's a <laughs> there's a fair bit of dissonance there, you know. But um, but then again, like the invasion angle itself. Wasn't exactly on the money there either there, Jeremy. So it's kind of, you know, hand in hand there, I suppose, in a way. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, I, I
4: was watching some things back today, and it's just such mixed emotions. Because on one hand, like, the there were a few things that they did in the invasion that I think were great. Like, I think... The final Survivor Series match between the two groups, even though it makes absolutely no sense who the teams are by the time you get there. Like if I, if you tell someone at the onset of, "Hey, WWF and WCW are going to feud," uh, like great, they're going to do it at Survivor Series, awesome. What are the team? Who's on the WCW team? You're like, well, Shane McMahon, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Kurt Angle. (laughs) You're like. Wait what? <laughs> like it makes no sense. But oh, i Oh like and also the, the-
0: there's there's also a bunch of ECW guys there too. So, you know, just add those guys to the mix there. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Which like that, even like, it kind of made sense. And so like, okay. And it gives shine to Rob Van Dam, who at the time I was like the biggest Rob Van Dam fan in the world. And so I was just ecstatic to see him getting like a big spot like that. So yeah, I was like, all right, I can forgive that. Uh, but I thought the, the match itself and sort of the drama at the end, uh, It it worked. I mean, it's definitely, you know, that overbooked early two thousand late nineties, early two thousands WWF style where, you know, everything's just there's run ins and interference and just chaos and but I thought that for that it, it's a really well done one. And you've got Vince coming out at the end and he's just maniacally raising his hands and like bouncing. Yes, like, yes I did it. Yes. <laughs> like, that's great. I won. And this also, I mean, the Smackdown before this pay-per-view, you get, honestly, I may cons- what I may consider the greatest promo of all time from Paul Heyman. Um, when you consider just both the quality of the promo and the fact that a promo is supposed to talk you into buying a show or buying a ticket or what have you just the way that promo that Paul Heyman cuts on that is just out of this world that like still like almost kind of like makes you emotional watching it because you can tell that there's real emotion in that for him that when he's saying like screw you you stole my ideas you stole my life like that there's a part of like the real Paul Heyman that means that, and uh, and it comes across, and it was you just you know, it's it's out of this world. So, even though generally, yes, the the uh, you know, that the whole invasion angle and all of that was kind of a hot
0: mess, There there's some nuggets in there there if, if you go looking for them. I mean, it did put Rob Van Dam on the map for a lot of people, it did do that, which is which is great, of course, but uh. Look, you know, when Stephanie McMahon is in charge of ECW, something's gone wrong, okay? I'm I'm sorry, but like, (laughs) when Billy Kidman is like the third biggest WCW guy you have, something's not right, all right? Come on. (laughs) So, yeah, hot mess is a good descriptor there for it, yeah. (laughs) Yes.
4: There is, though, given the way that the past couple years have gone for WWE, uh, something from this pay-per-view that I think that they should bring back. And that is the one year the immunity, immunity battle, battle, battle royal. royal. Yeah,
0: that that <laughs> test one, right?
4: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you do that. You make it a shoot. Yeah, I, I bet the boys would be pretty excited about that. I don't know. <laughs>
3: That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the flagship podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network, and I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. yuffieofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network well uh anyway it's
0: a few years later and it's time for survivor series 2003 uh which is actually my first survivor series as a fan and i was actually at the go home raw for that show in Boston. That was my first wrestling show ever, actually. So, this theme is by Limp Biscuit off their album Results May Vary. This is Build a Bridge. Consider it like the forgotten Limp Bizkit WWE song because, you know, everyone knows My Way, they all know Roland, Crack Addict, but this one I think is the least remembered of those kind of collaborations between the two sides there. But it's also the first pay-per-view theme that stuck onto me as a fan. And I'm not a big Limp Bizkit guy at all, really, but I gotta say, I like this one a lot. I do. I really enjoy it. It's, it's a much more emotional, introspective Fred Durst, which I think helps a lot, because you know, he's not going, yeah, cheeky, blah, 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 which I, you know, <laughs> it, it's a softer side, which I, I do like a lot more, I think, there, Jeremy.
4: Yeah, I mean, I always uh, so... I was right in the in the age range to greatly appreciate Limp Biscuit. You know, I was like 15, 16 as all of their as significant other and Chocolate Starfish and all that was coming out. So I, it was like perfect for me. So at that point in time, like yes, I loved Limp Biscuit, and this was the album that sort of like fell off the map. Like there was Behind Blue Eyes was the main single on this, and it kind of. I, like, I think people didn't really know what to do with it. And, you know, Fred Durst is not... He's, you know, not exactly the greatest singer in the world. You know, Fred Durst, no Neil Cicada, let's say. Um, but he... Uh, and on Behind Blue Eyes, that really comes out. That, like, like he's, he's not great here. But on Build a Bridge, like, it's a... I would have never guessed that this was a Limp Bizkit if you didn't tell me ahead of time. Like, if I didn't know that this was coming off that album and it was this pay-per-view theme from Limp Bizkit, I would not have guessed, like, oh, yeah, that totally sounds like a Limp Bizkit song. Because I feel like they actually do a really nice job with this. Like, surprisingly, I also, yeah, really like this song, like, still today and not in any sort of an ironic way.
0: Well, first of all, it's Neil Sadaka not Sakata, so uh. respect your elders there, sir, <laughs> please. But um but yeah, I do agree. It does sound, you know, nice and clean and, and good there. And uh, thematically it's interesting because it's about trying to stay connected to someone despite hardships. There's a way, is the repeated line throughout the song. Even though it's gonna crumble down, I'll keep building till you come around. So it's about tenacity, it's about not giving up, and those are common traits in many wrestling theme songs of course but i think when you put it through this kind of melancholic softer lens like you do here it doesn't have that same uh, macho aggressive punch as other wrestling songs do there is that that power there in the chorus of course but you know the song overall it definitely has you know its fair share of kind of mellow valleys uh you could say there jeremy
4: yeah i think like if you put the chorus of this up against say the chorus of that puddle of mud song you'd find some similarities there's that like soaring sort of vibe that i was talking about that you get from the guitars just feeling very big and open uh and on this song you actually get you know wes borland who's the limp Bizkit guitarist who's fantastic like the, one of the most underrated musicians of all time because he's in Limp Biscuit, um, but is a genius. Uh, but then also Brian Head Welch from Korn is also on this song. So they have two guitarists and they really kind of play off each other and you get that in the chorus. It just feels very big and very open. Uh, and so I think one of the reasons they may have chosen this is that they like, the video department seemed to really like these songs where you had that dynamic range where you were able to show, you know, clips that you could put the audio from those clips over the music and it would be sort of low key and then once it hit the chorus it would, you know, sort of open up. And that's where the clips of Austin hitting a stunner comes in and things like that. And so in a way, it's not that dissimilar from the way they used My Way, because that's another song that it's, you know, the verses on that are very down tempo. And then when the chorus hits, you get the, yeah, and then it's like big, and the cymbals are crashing. And like, you know, everything's like big and open. And, uh, and so I think that's, that's sort of the reason maybe why they went with this, even though it's this like melancholy song about, uh, this relationship, you know, on the verge of ending, uh, the, the video department at WWE who I just cannot gush enough about. They're just that good that they'll take a song like that and make it work to be this exciting video package that makes you want to watch a match.
0: Yeah, that, that comparison to My Way is pretty apt there. You're right, with the the softness in the verses and then it ramps up with the chorus there. But um but I think with My Way, um there's a bit more attitude to that song. For sure. Especially with the Yeah in there and you know and, and Roland and Crack Addict are your more typical badass songs there. So again, this one is more of, of an outlier in that case, but um but I still enjoy it. Again, I still enjoy it a lot. It's just that, you know, compared to those other songs there this doesn't have that typical Limp biscuity y in in-your-face attitude and aggression, I don't think. Um, oh, definitely. And they're back now. It's it's so crazy. Limp Biscuit are back in 2021 with a new album. And Fred Durst has new hair. And Wes Borland still looks like a Cenobite from Hellraiser. It's, it's <laughs> wild, Jeremy. It's, you know, crazy times, man. Crazy times. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. <laughs> Well, uh, I mentioned that I went to the Go Home Raw in 03 in Boston. Well, Survivor Series 2008 also took place in Boston. I wasn't there, though, which, uh, looking at the reception was probably a good thing, I think. (laughs) Uh, The theme for this show is by ACDC off the album Black Ice. This is Spoilin' for a Fight. The previous couple songs we talked about how, you know, they may have tenuous connections to wrestling, perhaps, or they're very emotional and kinda of moody. Not the case here. I mean it's right there in the title, spoiling for a fight. There you go. That's it. No questions, no confusion, it's all right there. Cause look, you know, all ACDC songs are either about fighting, sex, or rock and roll. And sometimes all three, you know, so <laughs> take your emotional Tormented relationship nonsense and hit the bricks because it's fighting time, Jeremy. This song rocks.
4: Definitely. I mean, you know, ACDC, there's, there's arena rock, which is, you know, the idea that, oh, it's meant for the band to play that song in an arena. Whereas I feel like ACDC makes arena rock, which is they have meant these songs to be played by sports like groups over the loudspeakers in arenas <laughs> it's like it's like their songs are just they're laser focused for that they basically just make one song but man i love that song <laughs> it's so good like you know I, if if shoot to thrill doesn't do it for you then i just i don't i don't think you have ears like acdc it's not a band that i listen to that often It's not a band I ever think about, but whenever they come on, I'm like, man, I love (laughs) ACDC. And so listening to this, every time it came up in the playlist, I was just rocking out like, yeah, this is, I'm spoiling for a fight. Let's go. Let's do this. It's just, it's such a perfect fit for a WWE pay-per-view.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big ACDC fan, and uh, I always remember the Stephen King quote, because he's a big fan of theirs too. And uh, someone once told him, like, you know, oh, ACDC, all their songs sound the same. And he goes, so what's the problem? Because, yeah, look, <laughs> ACDC, they never try to reinvent the wheel. They know what they're good at, and that's coming up with nice, simple, hard rock songs with cheeky lyrics. Make your heartbeat thump, and make your starter jump. I'm a fighting fool, and I'm hungry for you. Spoiling for a fight. Like, that's it. Just straightforward, three minutes, in and out, done, next song, and it's perfect for a wrestling show theme. And, you know, you would hope that with Vince being such a big ACDC fan himself, he would follow their lead at times and keep things nice and simple there with the storylines, but not the case, I guess, there, Jeremy, so...
4: Well, he does follow their lead in just doing the same thing over and over Mm -hmm. and over. So, I mean, at least he's got that.
0: (laughs) That is true. That is true. Yeah.
4: But uh, it is good that you did not end up at the uh, pay-per-view for this one as... uh, listeners may not realize, but Survivor Series 2008 voted worst pay-per-view of the year in the Wrestling Observer Awards that year. Indeed. Uh, And also the recipient of uh, most disgusting promotional tactics. So, uh, (laughs) you know, big, big night that night in uh, Boston.
0: Yeah, this was the show where I think it was supposed to be Triple H versus Jeff Hardy versus vladimir kozlov of all people in a triple threat match for the world title and um you know before the show they you know, kayfabe they found jeff hardy unconscious in his hotel room and they replaced him with uh edge i believe which uh did not go over well with people by uh, any stretch there so uh, yeah i'm I'm glad I didn't go to this show because I would have been uh, a bit disappointed there, I think. so. <laughs>
4: well, and what they did was they didn't even bring Edge out initially. They were, they were like, you know, Edge is out too. He's not going to be here. So it's just Triple H and Vladimir Kozlov. <laughs> and then they went like 13 minutes, just the two of them which no one wants. Uh, And then Vicky Guerrero comes out and is like, he's here. It is a triple threat. And of course, Edge comes out and Edge, you know, is about to win the match. And then Jeff Hardy somehow returns and he has like a bandage on his neck, which (laughs) I don't know what that was supposed to like. What are they suggesting happen? Like he slipped in the shower or I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) And, it was just, yeah, it, it was it was bad. And then, you know, to cap the night off, you got a, a three star special out of John Cena and Chris Jericho, and that was that was the high point. And so, not not exactly uh, not exactly a stellar entry in the Survivor Series
0: history. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess they got the spoiled part right because that sounds utterly rotten, folks. <laughs> come on, let's go. Hey, here we go. All right. <laughs> So we've got the last theme here of the episode, and it's for Survivor Series 2017, which had Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles, and a bunch of stuff I do not remember at all, because <laughs> you know, all these recent brand warfare shows just kind of blend together a lot of times, but you will remember this theme, because it's by the very memorable Kid Rock, off the album Sweet Southern Sugar, this is Greatest Show on Earth. from the not-so-subtleties of ACDC to the really not-so-subtleties of Kid Rock. Because this is just a red, white, and blue, tobacco-chewing, whiskey-drinking, fireworks spectacular. This is the greatest motherfucking show on earth. You son of a bitch. And look, if there's any sort of mood that is perfect for WWE, it's just pure, over-the-top bravado. It's, it's a match made in heaven, Jeremy
4: totally and the verse is completely nonsensical like you know okay so i'm a drift store like what i was built to invade (laughs) are those connected are drift stores invading uh i'm the realest mother effort and i'm coming with age what (laughs) i'm rib cage Huh? It doesn't make any sense, but hey, it's the greatest effing show on earth. So you better get with it, cause otherwise, Kid Rock, he's got a knuckle sandwich for you, sir.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm a full-blown down-home Rolling Stone. I'm a cyclone. I'll shit wherever I roam. I'm a full-blown freak show. Something to see. Got 'em lined up and waiting, taking bullets from me. I'm a Mack truck. I'm trucking down a one-way street. You better move, bitch. My fuck tank's on E. What a poet. What a what a way with words there, Jeremy.
4: <laughs> like, is he trying to say, like, he doesn't have any left to give? Is that... That's the implication he's... he's
0: going for. I believe so. Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah. Or, I, I don't know. Or he's just had a lot of coitus. I'm not sure what he's trying <laughs> to say there.
0: <laughs> I do like how, as the man of God, you're keeping it clean. I do like that. So... <laughs> But uh, in all seriousness, I, I do kind of like this. It is, it's is—it's pretty catchy, I can't lie. And, and I do appreciate just how earnest and sincere the whole thing is. Like, when he's singing, love you when you hate us, welcome to the greatest fucking show on earth, I believe Kid Rock believes that with every ounce of his being. Again, same with WWE. They truly believe they are the greatest show on earth. They're not, but they're pretty earnest about it, you know?
4: Yeah, I mean, this is—it's a perfect match of artist and and company here, in both in terms of their own sort of delusion and uh, you know the grandiosity that they try to uh, you know present themselves with and whatnot. And and you're right, like the song's not that bad. Like, am I putting this on my road trip mix? Probably not. Uh, but if it you know comes on on a pay per view or if it does show up on you know like a Spotify radio station or something like that, I'm probably not hitting skip. Like it's fine, uh, you know, totally acceptable rock song. Like
0: I, I I can be all right with that. Yeah, I mean it's been said before in this show, but um, you know everybody has at least one song that you like, and with Kid Rock, I do like a few of his songs, and uh, again, I like this one too. Which, uh, I mean, listen, it's no masterpiece by any stretch. I know what I'm listening to here, but (laughs) still, I I do kind of enjoy it. So, there you go.
4: Well, and also, it appears that, uh, you know, similar to what I was talking about with ACDC, that um, they, uh, you know, they make music to be played at sporting events. The cover of the single for this song is like fireworks going off at a baseball game, which... (laughs) to me signals one that okay yeah like he totally knows what he's doing here and he wants he's expecting like okay they're gonna play this song at sporting events you would think though that that would give him pause on maybe some of the lyrical content of this song (laughs) to make it really easy to be played in public right yes
0: (laughs) take me out to the ball game take my fuck tanks on e just a little bit a little bit of a strange dichotomy there between the two songs so you know all, all the families are there you know dun, dun 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 i'm a mac truck motherfucker just a bit, a bit strange <laughs> there for sure
4: gotta go send little timmy to get some cracker jack because kid rock's <laughs> about to come out and tell us about how he's a rib cage in a dime store and he's built to invade and
0: <laughs> you know. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for being here. This was just so much fun having you on again. And uh, it looks like we survived, nudge, nudge, this series, nudge, nudge, of themes. Huh?
4: Uh, it did. Even though we're wearing different colored T-shirts,
0: uh, it, we didn't have to come to blows. And what? So, uh, uh, <laughs> you son of a bi- are you telling me are you telling me that I'm wearing a blue shirt but you're wearing a red shirt oh you mother oh you're getting it now you son of a bitch I just oh, put this red s-
4: shirt on yesterday <laughs> sir and I will die a death defending it
0: uh, any plugs you want to give go right ahead uh,
4: you can find me on Twitter at Jeremy Sexton uh, you should probably stop using Twitter and so should I but until we all do That's where I am. Uh, And, yeah, I mean, that's really it. Um, You can find me there. And, uh,
0: yeah, that's it. Okay. And Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at musicofthemat.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. If you want to discuss this episode or the topics, you can do so at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com donate and click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Met If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate review subscribe to the show on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify and many other places jeremy thank you again and i'll see you around thank you all right for jeremy sexton i'm andrew rich and i'll see you next time on music of the mat take care guys
2: music of the Matt is intended for entertainment and information purposes only the songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders